Hello, it is Sunday, April 18th. I am Trent Reinsmith, and this is the UFC Vegas 24 wrap-up. And uh, jump right in. First fight of the night was Tony Gravely and Anthony Burchek. This, uh, after waiting a half hour from the advertised start time for because of some shenanigans that I will get into later. Um, this was an excellent fight to start tonight. Uh, Burchek came out very aggressive, but uh, Gravely did a nice job of countering that. And once Gravely got his feet under him and was was ready to throw down, he, he dominated the fight. He hurt Burchek a couple times, used his wrestling, used his striking. Uh, Burchek was pretty resilient, but he just could not deal with the power and the, the strength and the wrestling of Gravely. And Gravely um, looked very, very good. Put him away at 131 of the second round with a TKO and earned himself a um, performance of the night bonus. So when when you get a performance of the night bonus in the, in the curtain jerker, you did something right. You did something memorable. And the odds are pretty high that you're not going to be in that position on the card again so a very very good job for tony gravely to to get that win austin hubbard and dakota bush was was a pretty good fight uh, bush came out pretty aggressive um, maybe it was some a little extra energy because he took this fight on a week's notice uh, he was he was dominating early but he wasn't really doing a lot of damage. He was just landing more and he was more effective. Uh, Hubbard weathered that storm well. And what I think he was doing during that was gauging distance, picking up motion, figuring his opponent out. And he did that well. And then once he took over, he, he really took over and just kind of dominated the rest of the fight. After the event, after the after his win, uh, Hubbard got a, uh, a unanimous decision. He said that he didn't have any time to watch tape on on Bush before the event. And well, as much as Bush took the fight on a week's notice, Hubbard had been training for someone else, and he took the fight on a week's notice as well. So he did a good job deciphering what what he was in front of him, and took away the win. Um, I was impressed with Bush and I want to see what he can do with a full camp and train for a, you know, an opponent that he knows. So I think both of these uh, lightweights did well. I, I don't think it was a, you know, fantastic fight, but I saw something in both of them that would, would make me want to watch them again. Gerald Mershart and Bartosz Fabinski. This was a, a great, great performance by Mershart. And we know he had not fought since he got trucked by Hamza Chemaev. And this was uh, exactly what he needed to bounce back from that. And what was really an embarrassing loss for someone like Mershart. I thought he would give uh, Chemaev much, much more of a, of a fight than he did. And so this was a... A return for Mar to form for Mershart, who we all know is a pretty pretty fantastic submission artist. He did a nice job. He got the guillotine choke at the two minute mark of the first round, earned himself a fifty thousand dollar performance of the night bonus, 
And I think with this submission, he is now the number one in UFC middleweight history with most submissions. I think he was a four or five um, person tie until this event. And so that's a positive for Mershart. Uh, I expected more from him since he came into the UFC. He's had his setbacks and ups and downs, but this was a a really good return to form for Merchart, and hopefully he'll regain some confidence from this. Um, what he what was said during the broadcast that stuck out for me on this one was that they said that he had the most time in his career to uh, to train for for this fight and to focus on this opponent. And so the takeaway from Merchart should really be, you know. I need that time to get ready for an opponent and and focus on that that opponent and really dig in and and get everything I can all the information I can on that and train for this specific fighter and just a gr- great performance from Mershart. So again, a return to form and maybe this will help him put that Jemaya fight behind him, which he should. Uh, Jessica Panay fought Lupita. Uh, Godinez, Goodinez, sorry if I messed that up. Uh, Panay hadn't fought for, I think, four years, hadn't won for, I don't know, um, a long, long time. Um, and she, well, I, I can't say she looked fantastic. She did a good job impl- implementing her grappling skills, and she earned the, uh, the split decision win here. Uh, Godinez showed uh, a lot of power a lot of strength, and a very low fight IQ. I think she lost the fight more than um, Panay won it, but you take what you can, and so Panay will move on, and I hope this will be was a good comeback for her, um, would build up some confidence, and hopefully she does better in her next fight. Um, we'll see what happens there, but Godinez needs to... Uh, really improve her fight IQ. I mean, she just she could have won this fight if she would have you know just been smarter about it. She just dominated with her strength and power, but then she would not follow Panay to the ground when she probably could have landed some heavy ground strikes. But she would just throw Panay down and then let her stand up, which looks good. But I don't know if it scores you many points with the judges. Uh, if you just throw somebody down and then don't do anything to follow it up, that's not that's not good offense. It's not you're not doing anything. You're just picking them up, throwing them down, and then letting them get up. Looks good on the highlight reels. Doesn't do much for you on the scorecards, which is something that she found out and lost the fight. Romanov and Espino. Um, I don't know what to say about this one. It was a heavyweight fight. Uh, Romanov is obviously strong and powerful. He's not the most technical fighter. Uh, Espino was was more technical and better all-around fighter, but it's heavyweight, so, you know, in heavyweight, sometimes size and power can carry the day over technical ability, at least to a point. And I think that's what we saw here. The fight ended on a weird... Um, on a low blow, where Romanov said he couldn't continue, so it went to the scorecards, technical decision, just split technical decision for Romanov, 
which means he stays, I think, unbeaten. But I don't know. It wasn't it wasn't that impressive of a fight. It was it was pretty sloppy. And let's just uh, I guess stop talking about it. Uh, Luis Pena and Alexander Munoz. This was a good fight. This was a fun fight to watch. Uh, Pena did not use his 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 length and uh, abilities too well in the first round and some of the second. But once he got his feet under him and could really focus, he did a lot better. Um, I think he let Munoz in a little too much. Early on, um, I think he was worried about the wrestling, and that opened up the striking a little bit for Munoz. Uh, but once he felt comfortable, I think Pena took over. He definitely won the third round, and it probably could have went either way in the second. I think that's how I remember it. But um, he took the split decision. Uh, it should be a confidence-building uh, fight for him. He said that he couldn't find his groove because of the time off since his last fight so we'll give him the benefit of the doubt there um his his physical abilities are there he's a very long fighter so he should use that a little more um i don't know about the it just seemed to take him too long to get into the fight and against a, a better opponent that could be a real problem for 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 pena if he if he takes this long to get into every fight it's a risky proposition for him because he he won by split decision here, so it just took one one judge to score one round the other way, and and he's losing this fight. So I think Pena needs to get more comfortable with his size and his abilities, and he just doesn't seem has seemed to live up to the promise of his of his earlier career. I don't know if that's confidence or or what, but he seems to have the skills. He just he just takes a little long to, to get into these fights and, and, and produce. So I would like to see more a more active Luis Pena and just get more into the, have more fights, uh, more consistency, and maybe he'll, he'll improve and we'll see a little bit better things from him, but not a bad fight by, 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 any stretch of the imagination, it was just a little too long um, to get into it, and it could have went either way, and it went his way for, for on Saturday. Tracy Cortez and Justin Kish, Kish. This was a uh, Kish. Come on, uh, this was a, a fun fight. A fun fight. A split decision went Cortez's way. I, I think it was really the wrestling that won her this fight. Let's see what I have here. Um, yeah, she she dropped uh, the down to flyweight from bantamweight, missed weight by a half pound, which hurts her a little bit. What what she dominated in here was the the ground on the ground, good wrestling, uh, and once she got the fight to the mat, she her her ground strikes were pretty impressive. I don't know how the weight miss affected her, whether it was positive for her or negative. I don't know if she gave up with that half pound or depleted herself more than she needed to, but she's made flyweight in the past. So I'm going to chalk this one up to a misjudgment on, on getting back down after fighting at Bantamweight for a couple times. So she's nine and one, um, and again, look good, but the weight miss is really 
the the difference maker here. And so I think we need to suspend a little judgment on her until we see her make the weight again and how she looks at flyweight, at legit flyweight, not a half pound over the flyweight limit. What do we got? Jay Pekib Malkoon and Abdul Razak Al-Hassan. Malkoon looked... Uh, uh, he just dominated, dominated this fight from start to finish, just racked up takedowns, racked up ground control, prevented Al-Hassan from landing strikes, sapped his strength, did exactly what he needed to do to, to win the fight. Some people will complain uh, about his style and about his approach, but he did what he needed to do. He won the fight. He he negated any advantage Al-Hassan had, and if you don't want to wrestle and don't want to fight off your back, well, then stop the wrestler from taking you down and holding you down. So I don't blame Malcolm for how he fought this. I thought he fought smart. I thought he fought well. And, you know, the book on Al-Hassan is if he doesn't win early, he's going to lose. And he didn't win early, and he lost. He lost all three rounds, and that was compliments of the wrestling of Malcolm. So excellent performance. Um... Al-Hassan, one-dimensional, and if he wants to succeed, he needs to uh, add a little bit more to his game than first-round knockout artists. Can he do that at this point? I don't know, but I liked, I really liked what I saw from Malkoon. Um And uh, yeah, now you know. Now you know what you, uh, what you need to avoid from him. Don't let him take you down, and don't let him keep you down. So he's a puzzle that is going to need to be figured out, if, especially if they're going to match him up against one-dimensional strikers. We'll see what he gets matched up with next, but, I mean, he looked very, very good. Andre Arlovsky and Chase Sherman. Arlovsky got the win. It was a bit of a shock to see that how long he has been since it's been since he was a favorite in a fight. He wasn't a favorite in this one, but he did get the win. Uh, was it a great performance? No. Did he do enough to win? Yeah. His leg kicks, I think, really messed Sherman up. They slowed him down a lot, and that is what I think allowed Arlovsky to win. He said that he'll stay with the UFC as long as they're going to keep him. He wants to get a couple more years, and I think he will because he's still winning, um, and I don't know how it's going to end for him. It could end the way it ends for a lot of veterans when the UFC starts matching him up against not just up-and-comers, but up-and-comers that have proven themselves. And sooner or later, that will happen to Arlovsky, and then things could get a little nasty. But he's had a great and long career. He'll be remembered for for his performances. And... Uh, We'll see how long he, he stays with the UFC. And I think if with the way his record is and the way his career is gone, he could get the two more years in before things go really south for him. But it wasn't the best fight in the world, but it showed Arlovsky is still adapting and still good enough to, to get these uh, younger fighters out of there. I think he was 10 years older than Sherman. And while Sherman is no world beater, he's... You know, someone who could have used a win over Arlovsky as a as a real taking off point. Uh, Whitaker and Gastelum, 
I think uh, Whitaker probably would have finished uh, many fighters, but Gaslam has never been knocked out. He is tough as hell. He lost every round in this fight, but I don't think he should have been, um, you know, ashamed of his performance. He performed well. It's just Whitaker put on one of his better performances in this fight. He looked fantastic. His his striking was on point. His defense was great. Every time uh, it seemed like Gaslam tried to land, Whitaker would get that hand up and and block. And when Whitaker wanted when Whitaker wanted to land, he seemed to do so. Um, and his combinations were excellent. And he just you know it looked like this was the kind of fight that would have get him a, a rematch with Adesanya. Do I think that he'll beat Adesanya? I don't, I don't think he'll beat him. I think he'll give him a better, uh, test in the, in a rematch than he did the first time. I am impressed with how he's handled his career since he took that little step back, sorted things out, got his priorities in order. He seems more relaxed. He seems more focused and more able to fight his way since he did that, um, he dealt with the burnout well. I wish other fighters would kind of follow his example. If they can, financially, that is, if they can take that time off and sort things out instead of just getting in after camp after camp after camp and burning out because they have to fight for the money. Uh, so I think Whitaker handled his his step back well, and he's back in the mix. He asked for that rematch without Asanya. Dana White told Yahoo Sports that, that fight makes sense, and I think he deserves that rematch more than Marvin Vittori deserves a title fight, and so we'll see where this goes. But yeah, that was the fight of the night. I think it deserved it, even though even though Gaslam got shut out, he was in that fight, scored by rounds in the in the UFC and through the UFC and the. Um, the, the way the scoring goes here, it's not, it's not scored by a total fight. Even in a total fight, Whitaker would have won. But round by round, he just dominated. The He held, I think, Gaslam to 29% uh, significant strike landing rate. And, yeah, it was just great performance. So I think he deserves the title fight. I don't know if he'll get it. I mean, I don't know if he'll beat Adesanya. He should get the title fight, but we'll see how it goes. Um, now, Jeremy Stevens and Dracar Close. The fight got called off at the start of the event. All we heard early was that Close was injured. We found out later that it was what sounded like a concussion. You should never diagnose an injury without full information. But everything he described sounded concussion symptoms. And then we found out it was a concussion, sounded like a concussion and sort of a whiplash situation uh, from the push Stevens gave him at the way after the weigh-ins. Was that push, I mean, I, I heard people say that if he got hurt like that at the weigh-ins, what was the fight going to bring? But what, when he's in the fight, he's going to be totally hydrated, be, get, be ready to absorb a strike of any kind. And he wasn't hydrated at the way after the weigh-in. He wasn't, I'm going to guess, prepared to get pushed like that because why would you be? It's at a stare-down. And so now he has a concussion. And 
an injury and he doesn't know when he'll be able to come back, he could end up dealing with these post-concussion syndrome uh, and post-concussion uh, injury for a while. We know this can last a long time. And if that's the case, there should be repercussions here for Jeremy Stevens. Um, I wrote a story that'll be on Bloody Elbow that I think Jakar Kos should uh, sue him for this. And I stand by that because he lost money from this fight getting canceled. He's potentially going to lose future earnings because we don't know how long he's going to be out. And he, you know, could be dealing with a situation where he, and I'm not saying this is going to happen, but this could be a situation that could ruin his career, could end his career. And all that because Stevens decided he was going to do something stupid at a point where he wasn't getting paid to do anything. You fight on the fighting service. In the UFC, you fight in the octagon. That's where you get paid to fight. There's no reason for this kind of stupidity before the fights. It doesn't prove anything. It doesn't strike fear into anyone. I mean, these guys and, and these women sign the fight in a cage. A push on the chest is not going to intimidate anyone. Trying to make someone flinch is not going to intimidate anyone. Be a goddamn professional. Weigh in. Do the stare down. I mean, flex. Do all that stupid shit if you want to. But don't put your hands on your opponent before the fight. That's dumb. It's unprofessional. And I know a lot of people will say, well, they're, they're cage fighters. They're professional cage fighters. They're professional athletes. Don't make these excuses for stupidity. Jeremy Stevens did something stupid. He hurt his opponent. He could cost his opponent money. Well, he did cost his opponent money. He could have cost him long-term money. And what's going to happen? I asked the UFC, did not get a response. I asked the Nevada State Athletic Commission, did not get a response. And the options are there for close. And I think he should pursue those options because he does not know how badly this is going to affect him. He knows he lost money. He can recover that money through a lawsuit. Sure, he'll, he'll have to share it with the lawyers, but at least he'll get something. And this that would also send the message to the UFC, to the Nevada State Athletic Commission, to all the other fighters. Hey, don't do this stupid shit when you're not getting paid to fight. Dumb, and it's going to cost you. I hope the UFC acts. I hope the Nevada State Athletic Commission acts. And I hope Close does take Stevens to court and get some damages from him because he deserves it. Jeremy Stevens cost this man money, cost his family money. And I don't really care that Jeremy Stevens cost himself money because that was his stupid decision. But Close, he had nothing to do with that. He was just there with his hands behind his back. And this knucklehead decided that he was going to show him how tough he was by pushing him. It's dumb. It's just dumb. And if it was me and I was the UFC, Stevens hasn't won a fight in years. He's not someone that you should really be going out of your way to protect. If I'm in the UFC, my message is being sent by cutting Jeremy Stevens. Will they do that? Probably not because Dana White seems to love Jeremy Stevens. Let's not forget that this was the guy he was going to bail out of jail just so he could fight. That, that didn't happen, but he swore up and down it was going to. So I expect nothing to happen to Jeremy Stevens. I'll be shocked if something did. But again, I think Close should pursue his legal options here. And uh, with that, that's all I have for this evening. I'll be back tomorrow. I'm probably going to get uh, sometime this week. 
get in the UFC 261. I think that's where we're at. Picks. And, uh, yeah. So until tomorrow, everyone stay safe. <laughs> <laughs>